On this week's Adam Schefter podcast, we are joined by the legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger, who is now the lead broadcaster and managing editor at Vegas Stats and Information Networks with the Supreme Court decision last week that sets up the legalization of gambling in potentially all states down the line. Brent Musburger obviously is the subject of many requests, a very busy man, and we are thankful that he was able to squeeze us into that schedule this past week. You're next up, lad. Your pick has got to be in in 15 minutes. <laughs> oh God, I was I wanted more time with the great Brent Musburger. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to tell the Brent Musburger life story. I haven't given you the book rights yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I would have bid for them, Brent. I would have bid big money. <laughs> then if I am on the clock here, Brent, uh, let me get right down to business, obviously, right? Um, Adam, the, Adam. The Supreme Court struck down the 1992 federal law last week that banned uh, commercial sports betting in most states. And obviously this opens the door to huge changes in the industry. So, in your mind, as the lead broadcaster and managing editor at Vegas Stats and Information Networks, what is this going to do to sports now and five and ten years from now? Well, I think you're going to see more prominent advertising uh, for sports gambling sites and casinos and things like that. Adam, I would guess that the NFL uh, would be able to charge high rates for advertising for the various big-time casinos in New Jersey and and Nevada, some of the chains that extend down to the Gulf Coast and everything. Uh, that would be a big impact. And it's going to change the media you know, from the standpoint that uh, at ESPN, that scroll uh, just prior to the kickoffs of the games on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, mm-hmm. that will update the, the latest line movement because sometimes there's a little bit of a half-point change. The over-under number might point and a half, a couple points move, something like that. Broadcasters will feel... Uh, you know, freer when they announce that somebody has covered a spread uh, later in a game without just simply talking to their analyst during a commercial break. Uh, so it becomes a more open discussion of uh, of what's going on with the game within the game. Now, listen, mm-hmm. most people don't bet. Let's let's be perfectly honest. It is a it is a sizable portion of the audience. The NFL has had difficulty over the last two or three years when it comes to television ratings, and because of this interest, if you just take the over-under number, it would be my prediction that the television ratings will start to bounce back up if if they stay out of the controversial political arena. If they're able to close that door shut and nail it shut and keep tending to their business, which is selling a great game on television, then I think for sure their ratings are going to go up because of the new gambling laws. It's going to do nothing but help the NFL, NBA, and hockey, and certainly baseball, which probably needs more help than anybody right now. I noticed last week, when last time I checked, the ratings were off this year in Major yeah. League Baseball. So they need more help than anybody else. But don't you think that gambling, is, it's always been a part of football, Brent, always. Yes. Now you can talk about it. Yes. You get it out of the back alleys. You get it out of the underground. The executives who have been scared to death of the front office of the NFL, no longer have to do that. It's legal for someone to make a bet on a game so it can be intelligently discussed and not coyly mentioned, as uh, Al and I have done uh, throughout the years, <laughs> yes. covering football. <laughs> and, and Chris Berman, too, by the way. 
Little, yes, little. exactly. Well, Chris had a had a piece up on uh, on Sports Center. He probably still does, where he picked games against yeah. the spread, and that was away from the actual coverage of the NFL itself. Do, do you think that we the day will come where we actually get sports books inside stadiums, so that people who are attending a Cowboys Packers game can all of a sudden bet on the things going on right in front of them? Yes and no. I'm not sure that that's around the corner. Uh, but if you take a look at the UK in all of the major soccer venues, there's someone who has the rights, and that will be a money-making issue for the National Football League. I don't think that's going to happen, Adam, uh, immediately, to tell you the truth. I think that might be decades down the road. But, yes, there will come a day. Now, whether or not they're going to allow actual in-game, I'm not sure. They'll probably start out with pre-game Maybe you could make a halftime wager, uh, but that would give the league the opportunity to get a piece of the action going forward. But I think that's a long, long way down the road, to tell you the truth. Brent, have you always bet on football? No. When... Uh, Jimmy the Greek led me astray, lad. <laughs> I'm blaming him. How did that happen? How did Jimmy the Greek lead you astray? What do you remember about that? Well, I was a newspaper man, and I yep. would... In September, the Cubs and the White Sox were always out of the chase, and they would dispatch me normally to Los Angeles to cover the Dodgers, who always seemed to be in the battle for the National League Championship. And I would always arrange to stop off in Las Vegas. I wasn't even working in television at the time. I would go to a show, uh, see the great Liberace, uh, all those great acts of the past. And the uh, sports books were not inside the major hotel casinos at the time uh, there were smaller spots on the strip the rose bowl was the name of one churchill downs was the name of the other then i met jimmy the greek he had a newspaper column which was was pick up picked up and syndicated around the country and he and i became acquaintances and friends and he would take me and he loved the greek loved to bet horses he was addicted to betting on horses and he would take me and these guys uh, they basically had an eraser and a piece of chalk and a chalkboard hanging up and somebody on a ladder would be erasing the odds and, and putting the numbers up there, and the Greek would would make a bet. And I met these people around there. And then and then the Greek uh, said, you know, football, football, that's the best. <laughs> so we would we would go over to the Barbary Coast, which was uh, owned by Michael Gunn, and this became a little bit later as the Greek became part of the NFL Today family after I had moved over to television. Yeah. So he said, I love, I love the Barbary. I love Mr. Gunn. Because on a parlay cards, ties win. So the Greek took me over, and of course I'd put down a five dollar bill on a on a three teamer or a four teamer, and uh, usually donate to the uh, state coffers out here in Nevada. <laughs> but that's but that's basically basically Adam how how I got involved with it. And then of course we took the Greek. Uh, Bob Wessler's idea was to add the Greek after the first year of the NFL today, where we had Irv Cross and Phyllis George. And he called me in the summer, and uh, I was in Montana. And he said, Brent, do you know Jimmy the Greek? And I laughed, and I said, I, I know him very well. I said, I'm a friend of his. We're acquaintances. We've, we've hung out together in Vegas. He said, I'd like to add him to the NFL today. I said, well, wow. that will be good. But I said, the only thing I'd ask for is I want a meeting with the Greek and me and you with Commissioner Pete Rosell. And obviously, that's a very good idea. We should do that. So we had the meeting. I had known Pete Rosell 
from way back when he was a PR man, and later I would run into him at racetracks. He loved to bet <laughs> the races. Yep. And I thought this is a this is a leg in our favor, okay? And it was. Uh, Pete understood the publicity that could be gathered by putting the Greek on that show, but he did ask us during that meeting, "Would you please refrain from?" saying that a team is a three-point favorite or a seven-and-a-half-point favorite or a ten-point favorite. We went through about three numbers, and the Greek and I kind of looked at each other, but I knew it was a deal-breaker. And I said, yeah, yeah, sh- certainly, Commissioner. We can we can work around that. And uh, and I was glad I was uh, seated far enough away from the Greek that he couldn't kick me under the table. <laughs> but I knew it was our only chance. So, so back we go, and uh, Mike Pearl was yep. the producer. Bob Fishman was the director. <laughs> And we sat around, and I believe it was Mike's idea. Uh, how about we use a checkboard? And if the Greeks got enough checks on one side, people will know that he expects a blowout. And uh, and I said, yeah, let's let let's try that. So that's how the checkboard wow. originated. It was a Greek himself who wanted the intangibles, the intangibles at the bottom. The Greek, interestingly enough, was a very good friend also of Al Davis's. Al. Hmm. Al was very interested in the whole gambling apparatus uh, surrounding football. And he and the Greek became very, very good friends. And so on the intangibles check, uh, let's say that the Denver Broncos uh, were playing uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And if the intangibles check was on the Kansas City Chiefs, I pretty much knew where we were headed, okay? <laughs> because I said, Greg, what, what's that check? What's that check mark there behind? Uh, we understand that there's a little turmoil in the Broncos' <laughs> locker room, okay? So-and-so is not getting along with such and such. So I knew that I went back and looked at the NFL schedule that a couple of weeks down the road, the Broncos would be playing the Oakland Raiders. And I knew that the Greeks' last phone call every night before he put his list together was with Al Davis. So really, the puppeteer for the intangibles was Al Davis, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. And so that's, that's how it all got started with, uh, with the Greek, and that's how I got interested in betting on football. And then the Greek took ill one week, and it happened to be the week that we had Pete Rose as a guest analyst on the upcoming World Series. The, the big red machine had been knocked out. Yeah. So I knew that Pete liked to gamble on uh, football. I didn't certainly thought he was staying away from baseball at the time. But at any rate, we put Rose up there to do the Greeks checkboard. And hell, he was perfect. I think he right. went six for six. And so we probably should have signed him up and kept him away from betting on baseball, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, that's great. That's you know. Listen, I think there's a fascination. We had Eric Mangini come from the coaching sideline to work at ESPN, and one Sunday he's watching all the games that we watch in what we call the war room, bunch of big screens. He had never been there before. First week, and Chris Berman's telling about the point spreads and how it works. And so he says, "Okay, well the the Packers are favored by four, and all of a sudden they'd win the game twenty one seventeen, and the Browns are three point underdogs, and they lose by three. And at one point, at the end of the first day, Eric Mangini turns to Chris Berman and he says, how do they know? <laughs> and we, that became a line of ours that we've always said, how do they know? They just know. They seem to get it right all the time. Yeah, you know, obviously we pay attention to those times that they give it right. But I, living out here and yep. working with it, Adam, every day, I will tell you they don't always get it right. And I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, oh, coming yeah. down the stretch last year when they had to put Nick Foles in a quarterback. 
And there was a game at the end of the regular season which Foles did not play well, okay? Yep. And so they adjusted. They adjusted two ways. One is their opinion. And secondly, which side is the public going to be on? Mm-hmm. So in the last, in their first two playoff games, I should say, the last two games before the Super Bowl with their opener against the Atlanta Falcons and then the Minnesota Vikings, the Philadelphia Eagles were underdogs. They were home dogs. That's the dog mask that, that came yep. out. Uh, I took a position on them against Atlanta. Uh, I just didn't believe that a home team like the Eagles uh, with as good a defense as they had at the time. And, of course, that went right down to the end of the game, as you remember, with Matt Ryan with a chance to uh, throw a touchdown pass and beat them. So I stayed away from the Minnesota game. But in but in those particular instances, they had the favorite wrong, okay? Uh, there was no doubt about it in my mind. Obviously, when you went into the Super Bowl, you had to make the Patriots yeah. the favorite because of historical precedent and what they'd done the previous year against Atlanta in the Super Bowl, the computer spits out a number, a scoring number over under, and that allows them to say, stay pretty tight on that. But we always know the threes and the tens and the sevens that come up, uh, which is the most frequent number, uh, the, the three most frequent numbers that come up in a point spread situation. And we always say, how do they know? Uh, because percentage wise, they're going to hit that number uh, so much of the time. It's, it's basically a, a mathematical formula, and there's algorithms that are out there. There are programs, especially if you bet during the game itself, which is a great growth industry that's going to hit uh, hit this country. The U.K., most of their sports gambling is during the contest itself. Wow. And that, that strictly is a computer that, uh, that spits out the numbers that they use. So in-game betting is the next big trend here that's going to occur within the NFL or the sports leagues as well on, in the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. Adam Silver, again, is ahead of the curve. Um, he and his associates have talked about it with uh, my nephew, who uh, really is a manager of Vsin, Brian. Yep. They've already talked about it uh, because they know that it's coming, and that is the growth area. Uh, sure, there's still most people would bet you know, on the spread before the game, and they look at that all week long. But uh, you have a team that's a, a three-point favorite early in an NFL game, and they fall back by 10 points, the favorite's going to switch immediately on the computer. And if you still think that favorite team is the side you should be on, now's the time to jump in because it's much better than giving points. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have been following it because we actually did a broadcast of East End during the most recent Super Bowl, and it was fascinating. It's Mm -hmm. fascinating to watch. Basically, three, three numbers change, according to the computer, one is the point spread, which is the most familiar way of gambling. The big gamblers like the money line, so they watch that move uh, based on uh, what you have to give to win a thousand, or how much more you would get than the thousand that you put up, because those are pretty big players that attack that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the over/under number, and uh, that's one that the public likes to track during the game. And you can just you can just imagine how much it changes during an NBA game. The mm-hmm. uh, the Houston Rockets were a two-point favorite closing in in game two at home after they had lost game one of the Western Conference Final to Golden State. I was not tracking that number, mm-hmm. but I would guess that the Rockets became a double-digit favorite probably before the end of the half. Wow. Uh, it, you, you have to move quickly to make that in-game wager uh, simply because the system's locked down on you, but worldwide – uh, 
the UK, Australia, where I just visited and watched uh, how they handle gambling down there. Uh, that is, that's the growth industry, and that will be the next big thing with regard to sports gambling in, in this country. And that will be done on your phone, correct? You can do your, yes, you can use your phone if you've signed up. If you signed up for an account, you have to, obviously, you have to have an iPad or a telephone or a regular computer to make those bets. You're not, you can, you know, you can, they'll sometimes at some of the casinos around town here, you can do it, run up to the window. But, but most of that, I would say 98 to 99% Adam is done on your telephone or your, uh, or your iPad, that, that kind of sports gambling. Brent, you're in Vegas. I got to ask you, how is football in the NFL going to fare there once the Raiders officially arrive? You know, it's funny you're asking me. I, I'm I'm looking out the uh, window of Arlene and my the condo that we we rent, which is a, a high rise, and I'm looking down on the location right now, and I can see the cranes that have assembled down there. <laughs> and I will tell you that the Mark Davis comes around a lot and watches the Golden Knight games down here. He comes to town frequently to talk with the the contractors and the architects and those people around town. And he is so hopeful that the city embraces him as it has done this hockey team, which is on a historic run right now. I think they will do very, very well. And Adam, I think clearly those teams that that play the Raiders every year, Kansas City, Denver, the Chargers, uh, this will be a destination for them. They will come in here. This will be one of the places that they will want to see their team on the road. They've sold a lot of season tickets. I bought a couple of them uh, from them because you get access eventually. Eventually, I have a Final Four in this stadium. Uh, today, the NCAA uh, announced that it was withdrawing the ban on their events in states which have legalized gambling. Yep. And, of course, that opens the way for Nevada to be hosting part of part of March Madness. I think... I think this will be the number one destination for road team fans to visit. There are so many, so many hotels. And once they get the bridges completed over the interstate, uh, believe it or not, uh, you'll be able to walk over or take a trolley uh, from your hotel to the, uh, to the stadium over there. I think it is going to be enormously, enormously successful. And with the, with the Supreme Court uh, doing what they did this week, uh, legalizing betting on sports for the rest of the country, uh, that sort of takes the onus off of it, and uh, so be it. You know, here they are in uh, Las Vegas. So with the hockey team throbbing, the football team coming, an NFL draft I think is going to be coming, maybe Final Four. Why are you renting there, Brent? Why didn't you buy? <laughs> Prices were too high. You know, I'm negotiating. You know, I'm, I'm looking around. Uh, I'm looking around the desert for the perfect place to purchase right now. But this had a view. This had a view of the strip all the way down to the South Point, where the Vsin Studio is. I'm looking at that down there right now, so I can see the desert. And I love looking at that strip at night. You know, having a little Irish whiskey, and looking down there at all the bright lights. It's pretty good, Adam. It's pretty good. Now, Brad, listen. I could listen to your voice forever, and I put you in the category, and I sincerely mean this, with people that I could just listen to talk about. Paint on a wall, flowers growing, Vince Scully, Pat Summerall, Al Michaels, John Miller, Vern Lundquist. Who are your favorite broadcasters to listen to as an all-time great on the Mount Rushmore, in my mind? You you actually named the guys that I could listen to, every, every one of them forever. Now, 
full disclosure, having lived in Los Angeles, well, let's go way back. Yeah. When the Dodgers first moved to Los Angeles, they were on a radio station, and at night in Montana, you could pick that 50,000-watt station up, and that's when I fell in love with Vin Scully's voice, okay? Went to yeah. sleep to that voice, worked with Jerry Doggett. He was the analyst at the time. And then later I became, <laughs> quote, analyst, unquote, on uh, CBS Radio's broadcast of All-Star Games, uh, being uh, the second man in the booth with Vince Scully was always an oxymoron, if you know what I mean. Oh, so yeah. I, would, I would just get out of his way, and I'll never, I, well, I don't know why, but I'll never forget this, Adam. We were, we were doing an All-Star game. It was in Dodger Stadium. Steve Carlton, then with the Philadelphia Phillies, was in the middle of a great year, and he was on the mound for his um, – Back in that day, they, they kind of used those pitchers three innings. But anyway, he was on the mound, and Willie Randolph was on first base. And uh, I talked about his new pickoff move, which is controversial, because having umpired, uh, there were some of us who thought that it was a Bach move. And as I'm discussing that, uh, prior to giving it back to Vinny, I, Steve Carl whipped the ball to first base, and they picked Willie Randolph off. And, and I had the mic at the time, and so I called the out on the broadcast. And, and went back to Ben Scully, and it was a uh, not just a pause, pause. It was a pause, pause, pause before he picked it up, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and later on, we joked, we joked so much about the fact that I am the only broadcaster in history who ever, ever stolen out from the legendary Ben Scully. Okay, so that was uh, Pat Summerall. What was interesting there, and going back to Scully. I was at a meeting. Uh, Van Gordon Sauter was then the boss at uh, CBS Sports, Adam. And uh, they were considering either Pat Summerall or Vince Scully oh, to wow. be the play-by-play man with John Madden. Okay? Incredible. Now, uh, when John Madden became an analyst, he worked first with Gary Bender. I remember that. Now, a couple of things about that. All right? That was a tremendous pairing because Gary Bender... Uh, was a wonderful person to be an analyst with because he would help you tremendously and then he would give you room to do your thing. And that's how John Madden began to flourish. And in that meeting, it was determined, I think there were about six of us, and it came in the end unanimously toward Summerall, which was no knock on Scully. But the fact was they felt that Madden would get more room to do what he does with Summerall than he would with the legendary Hall of Famer Scully. And that's how that team was, was put together, was, uh, was simply because of that at a meeting of uh, CBS. Wow, that's unbelievable. Now, you, you bring up stealing a call from an out from Vince Scully. What would be your most memorable call, Brent, in a, in a career fold? And what, what stands uh, out to you? You know, that, it, that, that's almost impossible for me hmm. because I always – I always lived by the sentence that it almost became a cliche when people would ask. I said, they would ask me, what's the best game you ever broadcast, Brian? Come on. And I'd say, whatever's next. Uh, I I always looked forward to that next event. You know, certain things are brought up to me. Uh, Let's go to the Flutie game. uh, Against Miami? The Hale Flutie pass against Miami. That was the day after Thanksgiving. Three wide receivers out to the right. I had finished the NFL today, and I went down to do the the play-by-play. Pat Hayden 
Arapar Segan, the old Orange Bowl. So many things happened after that game that I didn't know at the time, but um, just to uh, to give you an idea, when uh, when he threw the pass, throws it down. Okay, I I didn't know who caught it in the end zone. It was all arms and elbows. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. Oh. It's a touchdown. <laughs> the Eagles win it. Yeah, I had no clue. Fortunately, we had. Uh, Somebody from Boston College, and now I'm in the truck who pulled my key back and told me, and I was able to identify them. Phelan is at the bottom of that pile. Here comes the Boston College team. So then, years later, Doug and I did a uh, interview for ESPN, mm-hmm. and we relived the play and the mechanics and everything that went on. And I told Doug the anecdote, and he laughed and he said, "I didn't know who caught the ball till like ten minutes later." Is that right? I threw. I assumed it was Gerard. <laughs> the other anecdote that came, I was with Jimmy Johnson, and uh, we were hanging out prior to an event that we were both at. And I, I told him the story, and he laughed, and he said, I've got one better than that. I said, what's that, Jimmy? And he said, because we had the one elevator that brought the assistant coaches down, and because Boston College was so far away from the end zone, uh, prior to that pass, my defensive coordinator got in the elevator and was actually coming down <laughs> oh, man. when it was thrown. And I was screaming into the headphone uh, because, you know, they were up near midfield, and then there was a penalty, pushed him back again. And he said, I wanted to know if you wanted to change the defense. Oh, man. Wow. Needless to say, it's the ex-defensive coordinator. <laughs> don't take the elevator too early. That's a- you don't violate that rule, Brent, ever. Hey, got it. Hey, All right, my friend. Hey, Brent, I really appreciate taking some time. Thank you so much. Continued success out in Las Vegas with the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Adam, come and visit us. We quote you all the time, my friend. You know what? My brother lives out there. My brother lives out there, Brent. I have to come out there. So when I do, I will come find you. Great. Okay. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Thanks so much Adam. again. Appreciate your time. And so there he is, one of the great broadcasters in all of sports history, Brent Musburger. That sound you heard earlier, courtesy of CBS Sports. We thank Brent Musburger, and we thank you, the listener, for tuning in again to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week, and have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody.